for giving us Jesus and we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. We thank you Father for giving us the new wine. Lord that would help us Lord until this work is done. Our God we bless you and Lord our God we ask again that you will meet us this morning. Father that you will bless our hearts. Our God that you will visit our lives. Lord even with your goodness and with your presence. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord has been gracious to us these four days. And we really thank him 
for all the things that we have heard. I believe that for all of us, you know, whatsoever the Lord has spoken to you, I know that the what God demands of us is an appropriate response, you know, to what he has been saying. And I want to really guess that to some of us, there is a reassurance in our hearts that we can do this work. There is a reassurance God is giving to us that these things are possible, that it's possible to take the nations. I believe that the Lord is also reassuring us that he is also empowering us, you know, for the last move. You know, I personally have seen the move of God in Capro, you know, for, for the past 40 years, because this year makes us 40 years in Capro, you know, I and my wife. And we want to give God the glory because this past 40 years, we have seen God move in different ways in this ministry. We have actually seen the pouring of new wine at different times in the life of Capro. And I want to think that this is also the, the wine that is meant for the last move. And I believe that God will surely take us through that last move. You know, so I think I'm one of those who don't believe or who don't think that we, shall, we, we still have a long time to spend here on earth. Because the way things are winding up, you know, seems to tell us very much that we are in the later days. You know, that Jesus Christ is coming very soon. And of course, you know, for us to be able to do what he wants us to do, you know, for this very last move, when the, when the, 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 the kingdom of hell has stood up in full force against the powers of God, you know, this is the time that God would want to empower us the more in order to be able to take over the nations in his name. You know, so this morning, therefore, I'm, I'm looking at what I am terming envisioning, you know, for the last mission. And I want to look at the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1 from verse 1. It says, the words of Nehemiah the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then verse 11. He says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cup bearer. Now, 
just looking at this story, the story of Nehemiah, there was something that provoked a burden in the heart of Nehemiah. Now, for him to get that burden or for that burden to be provoked in his heart, you know, the scripture tells us that he was inquisitive. He desired to seek for information, to know more about the people, you know, that were still left in Jerusalem. The heart of Nehemiah was where the heart of God will be. As we all know, that even though Nehemiah was in the palace, you know, all his other people may have been in other places, but as if the palace definitely must be a comfortable place. You know, a more comfortable place for a captive or for a slave to stay. You know, so he was there and definitely he should have felt comfortable. But yet, that was not the case with Nehemiah. As far as he was concerned, what concerned God most was also where his heart is. And where would the heart of God be? The heart of God was in Jerusalem. You remember, because the scripture tells us, you know, in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 5, you know, it says that God had chosen Jerusalem for his own habitation. You know, a place where God chose to, to, to plant his own name. So God you know, had chosen Jerusalem, and as far as God was concerned, even though he may send the Babylonians and others to come and break down the walls of Jerusalem, do whatsoever they want to do in Jerusalem, and yet God you know, will never forsake Zion. You know, God will never forsake Jerusalem. And the heart of Nehemiah was where the heart of God is. You know, Jerusalem, the land of promise. And his heart was also with the people that were in Jerusalem. So when Nehemiah now had this report that, ah, the people are in great distress. You know, the people were in affliction. And what did the scripture say? that immediately there was a burden that arose in his heart. There was a pain in his heart. Now, and this pain and this burden was what led to the vision that God gave to Nehemiah. Now, like we've always said, and for those who have always been in my leadership class, we said there can be no vision without a burden. You know, there can be no vision without a burden. For you to have a vision, there must be something you know, a pain in your heart about something. Something, you know, must have provoked that vision. And when God gives you a vision, it is in response to a burden or a pain in your heart. And if you look at the scriptures and you look at history, you know, contemporary history, you'll find that most people who pursued a vision and pursued a mission were a people that, that had a burden something you know, that really pained their heart for which, you know, a vision arose and they decided to pursue it. Now, so for Nehemiah, he received a report. And for most of us also in Capro, I believe that uh, we've been receiving reports of many places that are yet unreached. And, and, and the question normally that will come into our hearts is what comes to us? You know, what is the pain of our heart when we are receiving some of these stories? You know, we may receive stories of the wickedness of the, of the Muslims and the, of the Arabs and all the people, you know, that belong to Islam. Now, but when we receive those stories, what is the burden of our heart? You know, what, what, what is the Lord provoking within us? 
you know, for Nehemiah, there was something, there was a burden that came. And now there was an appropriate response, at least to that burden. And what was that response? That response was first and foremost to go to the God that had the answer to the problems of Jerusalem. And he prayed. And what was his prayer? Lord, first forgive us. You know, forgive me and forgive my people. And the next, you know, the next point of prayer was that which was contained in that verse 11. You know, he said, And I pray thee, thy servant, this day, grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Which means that there was something he was willing to tell the king. You know, grant me mercy in the sight of this man. And then chapter 2 then tells us, you know, from verse 1, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine. I gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. And of course, you know, he would never have been sad. Even where he's unhappy, when he stands before the king, he must always pretend to be happy. You know, but for the first time, the burden and the pain in his heart was such that he could no longer pretend. You know, so even though he was bearing the cup of the king, there was no more time to pretend. And of course, remember that he had prayed one prayer, Lord, grant me favor, you know, before this man. And in verse 2, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was so afraid. I was so afraid. Why wouldn't he be afraid? You know, if you remember that the story of Joseph, for example, that there were two people. One was the cupbearer of the king, just like uh, Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. The other one was what? His, uh, his baker. You know, and uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph uh, the two of them had dreams that Joseph interpreted. And the answer to one of them was that his head was going to be cut off. You know, and of course, that was a dream that he saw. Now, so for a cupbearer to stand before the king and a desire in his heart that this king will send him back to his own people, you know, that was a miraculous, that was, the, in fact, that looked like an impossible request, you know, to be made by a captain. You know, but there was something that must have given Nehemiah an assurance. So even though fear came to him, how will he present this case? And the scripture tells us that the next thing he did was he offered a silent prayer unto God and before he made that request. You know, so the next verse then tells us and say, verse 3, and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? Or not, not my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Lord, how, how is it, my king, that, that, that I would not be sad? You know, now, Nehemiah was in a difficult position. And, of course, he was about making a, a request that one of two things could happen. Either the king would grant him his request, or the king would take off his head. You know, because to have made, to make that type of request that he was about to make, the consequence of it, you know, could be likened to what? To rebellion. You know, because that you, an exile, a slave, 
in the king's court, you know, in the land of Shushan. Now talking about Jerusalem that we had destroyed, that we had conquered, and the people of Israel that we don't even want to hear about again. Now that would be like what? Like rebellion. And that would be like, 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 like you know, coming against the policies of the king. And of course, you know, because this man at least believed in God. And because he believed that there is nothing God cannot do. You know, he now decided, you know, to continue at least to tell the king. And say, look, my, the, the sepulchres of my father's lie waste. Now, then verse 4, then said, then the king said unto me. What does thou make a request? What does thou make request? In other translations, you know, that verse 4, in the ERV says, Then the king said unto me, What do you want me to do? Eh? What do you want me to do? In another, in another translation, the NLT says, The king asked, Well, how can I help you? How can I help you? Brethren, was that not a miracle? You know, that was God in action. You know, and that was God who, who had now taken, you know, his own place, at least in the affairs of the kingdom. Now, but can you see that before it reached this stage, that first there was a burden in the heart of Nehemiah, and a vision had arisen in him. And what was that vision? Because verse 5 then said to us, Then I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. You know? Now, if it please you, Lord, you know, that this people group that I've been hearing of, this people group that have remained a burden in my heart, for which reason I decided to give up everything and come into missions. If it please you, God, will you just send me to them? You know, will you then send me, will you send me to them? Now, but I, the challenge I want to give to all of us this morning is, is that the Lord has promised us and said that he's poor, giving us a new wine. You know, now this new wine that he has promised that he's giving us that will lead to a large harvest. Now, what will be our response to it? And now is that the Lord now saying, what is your request? What are you asking me today? You know, so to some of us, our request may just be the resources that we need. The, the resources that we, yesterday we heard that resources is not just money. You know, it's very easy for us to be distracted by just the issues of money and we concentrate all our attention and all our play, you know, all the time that we have just asking of money and resource. You know, but today we want to also see that the resource that God may be asking us of, you know, may, be, may, may want us to ask of will be definitely different from just the material resources. The first thing I believe, God, would want us to ask for is his continuous presence. You know, so to, as far as Nehemiah was concerned, send me back to the land of my father. And when you read the story further, he now made further requests. Now, now give me the required authority. 
that I will need so that I will go to the land of my father in the name of the, by the authority of the king. You know, he requested for letters to the governors that were in other, in other lands and he requested also for an army, you know, a troop that will guide him right down there. My brethren, I believe that the request that we shall make of God, God shall respond to it by pouring onto us his authority and at the same time giving us the assurance of his protection that will lead us, you know, into this ministry and into this work. You know, so for Nehemiah, so the question that the king asked him is, for what does thou make request? You know, and other translations say, what do you want me to do? And the Lord is asking us this morning, what would you want from God? You know, now that he has promised you, you know, this promise that he has given unto you about the, the pouring of this new wine. Now, I would also want to think that the, quest, that the, the, the request we will make of God is, God, make me the right wine skin, you know, into which to pour this new wine. You know, make me the right wine skin. You know, make me to be right about this. Now, and let's always remember that this new wine we are talking of, I hope we all know that it's not a matter of age. Eh? That the new wine does not, does not, you know, is not necessarily in consonance with how old you are or how young you are. Because a person can be very young and yet, you know, still carry old wine. I hope we know that. You know, because when, when, when I was a young Christian, you know, when I was still young in the faith, we remember the type of doctrines we were receiving were the type of doctrines that created a lot of zeal in us. You know, that type of zeal that, look, we wanted to look so holy, so special. I still remember in those days that I would be called to come and preach in a place. But in order to appear to be humble, the way to show my humility, I would put on slippers. You know? So that, to, to my mindset was the mindset of what? Of someone that had an old wine, you know? But with time, we now came to see that it is not the way I dress, you know, that was the issue about the message that I was to deliver. It is the Holy Spirit of God that ministers through me to the people that will listen, you know? So if the Holy Spirit is then the agent, you know, of ministry, then it is no longer the issue of how I dress. But it is also important to note that the way you look before a people, you know, who are first seeing you and listening to you also matters. You know, so, so it is not therefore a matter of whether I am old, you know, so an old man, so with your old ideas. You know, that's not what we are talking of. So we are talking of a, new, you know, a newness in the spirit. You know, an outpouring of God's spirit over times. And like I said, you know, God has been so great, so great in Capro. Because as far as I know, I think I can count three transformational periods when the Lord had poured new wine into new wineskins that has brought us to the stage we are today. You know, I can count that very clearly. You know, when, in those three times when Capro had to restructure you know, it started from the days, you know, about 1980. 
when Capros, you know, stopped being just one ministry that where we all go gather every month, you know, because we're traveling from city to city, you know, holding prayer meetings. And we'll go there and cry and cry and cry. And by then we did not even know that we're doing missions. You know, so we'll go and cry and cry until about 1980 when the ministry came together and said and decided to change the name from Calvary Productions to Calvary Ministries and now said the Lord was now giving them a different vision and now said that what you are doing is simply to evangelize the world. You know, not just to run this uh, evangelism without plans. So when there was that first restructuring right from that 1980, and that's when we started chapters. You know, and we started having chapters in, uh, in Capro, you know, what we now call CAST. You see, the new wine today has changed the name of uh, chapters to CAST. You know, so, to, so at least which is now more relevant. It is, these are some of the transformations the Lord has taken us through. You know, from then... You know, the next transformational stage that I also saw, an outpouring of the Spirit of God, the new wine, was when we also get, went into zonal structuring. You know, from the zonal structuring, it became also this uh, sending, receiving country structuring and all that. In every one of that move, we saw God in action. And whenever we took that move, there was also a growth. You know, growth not just numerically, but also spiritually. And I want to also say that what we are also seeing today, even though it is starting from Nigeria, by the grace of God, is going to reach the whole world. And it's going to reach the whole of Capro. You know, but the Lord will be asking you, what is your request? What are you asking the Lord? What do you want the Lord to do for you? You know, for Solomon, what was his own request? You know, it was the same thing the Lord asked him. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Just ask. And of course, for Solomon, it was what? Give me wisdom that I might be able to lead this, your people. You know? And when the Lord asked Moses that same question, what do you want me to do? What will you ask? And as far as Moses was concerned, it is your presence. Unless your presence go with me. And of course, brethren... When the Lord decides to go with you, when God decides to bless you with that wisdom, when God decides to bless you with the power and the capacity to do his work, that same God will provide the resources. That same God will provide all it needs to do that work. That same God will be the one that will go with you. But it must start with a burden, a passion in your heart. You know, I still remember very well you know, they, when, when Brother Dondo, you know, you know, Brother Dondo used to be the zonal director for Northeast. And one day he just came to me and he said, Sir, I'm, I'm, the Lord is calling me to Mali and I have to move. I said, you are not going anywhere. You know, Brother Dondo said, Sir, unless you want me to die, because there is a burden and a pain in my heart that I've been carrying for the past 10 years. And it is time I must go to fulfill it. And I, well, what else can I do in Capro when people say they have a vision and they are so clear and they've discussed with the leadership and the leadership is convinced about that direction? Of course, you are bound to release them. 
And my next question was, who then will take over from you? Because Brother Dondo took over from, uh, from Brother Ezekiel Ali. You know, I mean, from Brother, the late Ezekiel Gigil. You know, now, and he said, of course, he now, two, two, two of us together, we prayed, and we said, well, we'll ask Brother Robert to take over. Now, so it, I believe that when Brother Robert received that message, it was like a shock to him. And then suddenly Brother Robert came. Now, all I'm trying to say, when uh, Brother Dondo now ended up in Mali, and I visited Mali to see what had happened in Mali, I gave glory to God. And I knew that it was not just man, but it was God who had given him the resources, who had given him the empowerment, who had helped him to be able to establish that work. At least Mali is one of the first place that Capro has a secondary school, you know, that was established because of this ministry. You know, and I still remember when Brother, brother, uh, <clears throat> brother Narel also came and he said to me, he said, look, God gave me the vision of Tal. And when I received this vision of Tal, I did not even know that there were any people called Tal. You know, I, do, I hope he must have shared this uh, testimony somewhere else. You know, he said he didn't even know there were people called Tal, but God spoke to him clearly that he was to reach Tal people. When we posted him, we posted him to Kamuku Field. You know, so he was there, like, laboring, and of course, and he was faithful, doing what God gave him the grace to do. But one day he came, and then he said, he said Sir, this burden in my heart, you know, it is now a request I want to go and face the Tal people, you know. And then, well, after some struggles, let me also tell you that at times we also have our own problems in leadership. Because I now took this to the leaders and said, well, we needed the, the, the approval of the executive committee. And the executive committee said, no, let us consolidate. We are, with the fields we have so far, we, we must consolidate, you know. So we can't open a new field. Well, but God had to prevail over the, the EC, eh? <laughs> the executive committee, and of course we allowed Brother Narel to move to Tal. Thank God, at least Tal Field today is where our school of mission now uses for their field trip, eh? for their field contact. You know, so but it started with a burden. And when that burden came, there was an asking. And when the asking also came, there was also the release of the resources that was needed. You know, for that work to be done. What do you ask the Lord? What are you requesting from God this morning? I want to say, brethren, that by the mercies of the Lord, our God is going to pack up, you know, what he has said to us with his own presence. The Lord is going to help you, you know, with his presence. And I know that when God goes with us, you know, in this last move, definitely things must happen things must happen. But that will also be the joy of our hearts. And I want us to really take it in that song. In his presence, I am content. In his presence, there is life. In your presence, I am content. In your presence, I am of 
stand up just make one request what is your request what do you want me to do now that I have promised you this new wine what do you want me to do it may be that this difficult people group that he had sent you to God is ready to do a thing. Is it the Jerawa people? Is it the Bauchi people? What do you want me to do? Ask for one thing. Ask for one thing. What do you want me to do? Just one make one request unto the Lord. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask one thing that will make the Father to be glorified in the Son. One thing. Just one thing. You are no longer satisfied with just bearing the cup, the, the cup for the king. Shushan the palace. I think it is enough 
there is something, there is a new mission that he wants to give to you. You've been the king's cup bearer. Can you now ask him one thing different from bearing the cup of the king? You know, by which Jesus will be glorified or God will be glorified in Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus, our God, we pray that you will answer our prayers. We ask you, Lord, our God, that even as we make this request according to your wish to us, Lord, we pray that we shall see the manifestation of your glory that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Even through this request that we have made, our God, we want to see even the impossible becoming possible in our ministries. Lord, in the work that we shall be doing and in what will happen after this and hereafter, we shall see Jesus manifested in this ministry. Our God, hereafter, we shall see many more harvesters coming into this ministry. Lord, we shall see our mobilization will take a new dimension. Our training will take a new leave. Our research will have a new purpose. Our God and our church planting, Father, shall bear fruits to the glory 